Welcome to our Pimi. This is Saratova Bass with the Yantav of Sukkot. What do we achieve among the many benefits from sitting in the Sukkah? So, let's look at it. Because when we stand at the last moments of history, last moments of Galut, and we see that we're in a situation where the media works very hard to brainwash us to believe what their beliefs are, whether they're correct beliefs or not, and their beliefs are anti-Hashem beliefs. There's a battle at the last seconds of Gullus. The final battle is the first battle. The very first battle was Adam and Chava at wanting to spread the truth of Enos Novade, to make it settled in the world so that not only would they experience Enos Novade that everything is Hashem and all of Hashem's dictates are the basic truth they were of course their their shlichus in the world was to bring that truth out to the entire world and to and as all of the creations and all the animals passed by Adam Arishan and he said let us all bow down to Hashem meaning let us all acknowledge Enod Novada, me, Chava, the animals, the creations, everything. The entire world at that moment, the very first moments of history of, of, you know, of the very first Rosh Hashanah, all acknowledged Hashem as the king, Enod Novada. And when that happened, the Nachash, the snake, came along and said, no, 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 no. Let's undo everything you've achieved in terms of proving and bringing out that Hashem is the king. So the Nachash has been fighting that battle throughout history and going from nation to nation, first as the real snake, and then going from each one nation to the next to the next, from Ham to, to Yafas to, to Shem, from the, the, us being in Mitzrayim, and then us fighting the Egyptians, and then us and then receiving the Tyrant, and then us fighting the Greeks and then the Persians, that's Yafas, and then being victorious, and then us fighting a thousand years of the Catholic Church, and on and on and on and on and on, till the last seconds of Gullus, when we have in full force the last battle of the snake of the Nachashat Kanmani, who is sly and tricky, and has a goal, to destroy Hashem once and for all, God forbid. He can't, but he sure gives it everything he's got. Now, one of the ways that he does it, certainly in the last moments of Gullus, is by hypnotizing as many people as possible, by brainwashing as many people as possible to his philosophy. So that um, it's not, it's, if he can't push his philosophy, he also needs to, he needs to work with the mindset of the people. But we remember, keep this in mind, that in the final analysis, the shift from Gullus to Geula is, to a certain extent, a mindset shift. A very great extent. Not just, it's not like we'll just change our minds about the world and that'll be, but the mindset shift will be from not seeing Hashem openly to seeing Hashem openly in everything. So, this mindset shift that we will go, this mindset complete transition that we will go through from Gullus to Geula, is fought the snake, the Nachash, the Klippa and Amalek, fight it with everything they've got. <coughs> they don't want us to have a mindset change from Galus to Geula. So what they will do 
the mindset that we will ultimately have is Einod Novada. But that Einod Novada is the enemy of the, of the primordial snake, the Nachash. So what he needs to do is brainwash as many people in the world as possible, good people, with his philosophy, or at least confuse them. If he can't fully brainwash them, at least confuse them. And make sure that he shuts down and uh, censors all media. The media then becomes his, his tool to make sure that anything that is in the direction of truth is censored and shut down. And then the lies are promoted as the truth. And so we end up in an upside-down world. So how does Sukkot help us? Okay, here's the mimer of Yudgimel Tishrei. Tafshin Lamed Vav, I guess, was 1975, and it was Yudgimel Tishrei, it was the Hilul of the Rebbe Marash, who's known for L'Chatzila Rebbe. You know, just jump right over it and just go to the truth. Okay. I'll read some of the Hebrew at the beginning. The Sukkot Tishrei V'Shivas Yamim Okay, there are two commands in the Torah that we read in the Chumash. Sit in Sukkot seven days. Command number one. You must sit in Sukkot uh, for seven days. That's in Parshas Emor. And then it says, every citizen of Israel should sit in the Sukkot. So how long do you sit in the Sukkot? What's the command? Seven days. Who sits in the Sukkot? All Jews. So now we know how, when we sit and who sits. Now, why do you have to do it? Well, the Chumash says, Laman yedu that you should know. You should have done. Yedu. That for generations, all the generations should know. I think that's the pronunciation. I sat you in sukkahs. Uh, es B'nei Yisrael. I, I sat the B'nei Yisrael in sukkahs. I put them into sukkahs. I see Oysamir, Mitzrayim. When I took them out of Mitzrayim. When it just might, okay, now, so again, command is sit in sukkahs. How long? Seven days. Who? All Jews. Why? I want all the generations to know, not just remember, know. There's a massive difference between remembering and knowing. I want them to have a deep knowing. Remember that the mindset shift is to knowing, having God of Enos Novada, of the truth. That will be the change in the mindset from Galus to Gula. You will know. So, in order that you will know, why should you sit in the sukkah for seven days? So that you will know for all the generations that when I took you out of slavery, I put you in sukkahs. I sat you down in sukkahs. So, now let's stop for a minute and look at that. Why is that important? I took you out of Egypt and I sat you in sukkahs. Sweet. But what is it really saying? So I'll give you my little postulated hypothesis. Let's look at the first, um, the, the, the first template of enslavement that uh, we had. That's in the land of Mitzrayim. That's the major template of, of, of slavery, which we, you know, are having, we're, the, the repetition of it or the long arm of it is now, permeating America and the whole world now. What was the technique of Paro to enslave us? First of all, what did he want to enslave us in? He wanted to, us to buy into his philosophy of life. We were, we were going to receive the Tyra 
and then we would be permeated with deep knowledge of Nevada, that Hashem is the only reality. And that is the complete antithesis, the complete opposite of what Paro wanted us to know. It's totally the opposite of his philosophy. He is the apex of Klippa. At one extreme, you have the knowledge, Enod Novado, and Maishar Benu is, is, is there to tell us everything is Hashem. Hashem is the creator of the everything of the world. And Paro came along, and he didn't just say, I don't know, you sure? Maybe, maybe not. He didn't just say that. He didn't just say, no, I don't believe it's true. He didn't just say, no, 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 there's no creator of the world. No, no, no. He, kept, he went to the complete logical extreme. He said, I am the creator of the world. I am the ruler and creator of the world. I am the God of the world. I have created myself and I have created the, I am the creator and I've used the river Nile to create myself and the whole world. So he is the complete opposite of Kedusha, the complete opposite of Maishadim. And what he said is great. The, what he said, I got this problem. I got these Jews. And they have this fixation with believing that Hashem is the creator of the world and that one needs to be eliminated if I am, if I, Paro, am going to fulfill my life dream of conquering the whole world spiritually, I need to win those Jews over to my mindset. So I will enslave them and I will make them so crazy and confuse them so much and shut them down and, um, et cetera, and, you know, silence them and separate them, like put them in isolation, make sure they don't have proper contact with their family and friends, right, et cetera, et cetera. All the, te- you know, all the, all the stuff that we're experiencing now, um, and I will systematically, Paro said, um, break them of their devotion to Hashem. Same thing that's happening now. So, only much more subtle now. So, what he did was, because he comes from, you know, he's invested, invested, he's called the Taninagadol, the great serpent, the Taninagadol, the great serpent, spiritual serpent that's slithering and swimming inside the Nile River. That's what Paro is called in, in Kabbalah, the Taninagadol, the great serpent. He is the embodiment of the snake moving up through the generations. And the snake is very clever and very sly and very tricky and can basically sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. So in his classic style, what he's good at, what did he do? He said, all good citizens should come along and start building the pyramids. Come on to work. Even I'm going. Here I am, wearing a hard hat with a shovel in my hand. He showed up for work the first day. He said, all good loyal citizens will do this. And he showed up. But then little by little by little, we didn't realize. We, were, we all gave in. But little by little by little, other people were opting out and we were naively drawn into his evil plan. And so at some point we realized, oh my goodness, we've been enslaved. And the other people... Some, that's interesting. We didn't notice, a little, but that somehow, slowly but surely, the other people weren't at work. We were kind of so busy with our work and being good, loyal citizens that we didn't realize that, um, hmm, we're the only ones enslaved at this point. 
<clears throat> so what do, that's how we did it. And at some point, we were so deeply enslaved. We weren't just physically enslaved. We were emotionally enslaved. He, he got us emotionally. We were completely enslaved. And Hashem said at some point, you guys cannot get yourself, yourselves out of this enslavement. You've been too deeply enslaved and brainwashed to get yourselves out of it. I will have to pull you out because you are too deeply entrenched in the enslavement to get yourselves out. Same thing, I'm going to say, this is my thought. In our generation, because half of the world is so deeply brainwashed by the media, as soon as somebody says, kach, 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 certain things, all you have to ask, you know, they say, I believe that, you know, etc. They'll express various opinions that seem a little strange. You just ask them, excuse me, do you read the New York Times online every morning? And reasonable chance that they'll say yes. And then you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's one of the ways. Reading the news from these newscasts, newscasts online will do it. It's probably designed to do that. So the media is very well designed. It's a tool of paro, a tool of the nachasha kadmoni, to enslave people's minds so that then you can demand of them anything and they actually feel a loyalty to their oppressor that otherwise would have been completely unthinkable. How did Chava feel a loyalty to her abuser? As someone said, you can always tell an abuser when they're doing, they're demanding to do something inappropriate, they know this is for your own good and just doing it for your protection. So that's how you can tell. So that's what the Nachasha Kadmani did. That's what the snake did. He said, I'm just doing this for your own good to give you a deeper way of serving Hashem. This is for you, not for me. This is for your own good. That's the seductive way of the Nachasha Kadmani. And the same thing with Paro, etc. All these nations, the Greeks, the this, the that, we're doing it for your own good, for your own protection. We want to keep you safe. So... And it's very, very, very insidious and incredibly clever, but cleverness of Khalifa. So once the people have been brainwashed to believe that their abuser is their protector, what do you do? Where is the hope? How do we get to Yemaisa Mashiach? If half the world is enslaved, how are you ever going to get to Yemaisa Mashiach? If you know, so Hashem has the same issue, I think. This is my thought. Imagine this. We were emotionally enslaved. And so when, and so, so badly that no slave ever got out of Mitzrayim because they used all kinds of spiritual tools. They had all this witchcraft and they, they were very, they were very sophisticated um, spiritually with tools of klipa. And they knew how to enslave people with nothing in, a, in, a, in an instant. It was nothing for them. So they had us all enslaved, most, not Shavit Levy. Shavit Levy was learning intensely, and they managed to bypass the enslave, the emotional and spiritual enslavement. And that's how we fell to the lowest levels of Klipa, 49th level of Tumma, sorry, of Tumma, because they had us spiritually enslaved. So Hashem said, I will pull you out of, I will just pull you out of this place. However, what tends to happen is, God forbid, a person is kidnapped, 
God forbid, and they live with that kidnapper, and it's not ple- a pleasant lifestyle. For many years, for some reason, no yid should ever know, um, the person feels a loyalty to that, that, that kidnapper, and it's not a simple thing to unenslave them emotionally. They're not going to physically go back, but they do feel some kind of a loyalty to the lessons that they were taught by the abuser. It's the craziest thing. So Hashem seemed to be saying, when I take you out of Mitzrayim, it's not going to be enough because you guys are going to go want to go back. You know, like, what? And we did. We said, we had cucumbers there. Why can't we go back to Mitzrayim over here? We don't have enough food. In Mitzrayim, we had food. We were emotionally enslaved. It wasn't just a question of being physically hungry. We were emotionally enslaved to our abusers. So it looks like, and this is just my thought, Hashem says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Cleanse your mind of the the brainwashing that has you emotionally enslaved, I'm going to stick you in sukkahs. that you should know for generations. Please excuse me if I'm saying, pronouncing Hashafi wrong. You should know for generations that I sat you in sukkahs when I took you out of Mitzrayim. It was a two-fold process. It wasn't enough, says Hashem, that I took you out of slavery because you were still in emotion. In order to then, I could make you free, but you would go, want to go back to slavery. In order to free your minds up and purge your mind of the slave mentality and, and enable you to own your freedom in a way that you want it to be spiritually and emotionally free, somehow sitting in the sukkah did it. That was the technique I, I used, says Hashem, it seems, to emotionally and spiritually program you. So, we have a mystery. Every year, sit in the sofa for seven days. Obviously, seven days because will permeate. All, I, I'm just hypothesizing. I didn't finish the mimer. Obviously, it permeate all seven kaiyos and nefesh, and shivas yemeyabinyan. The seven days of creation, the whole of and the whole the work, the week. It's going to permeate time. It's going to permeate your kaiyos. It's going to permeate your seven midas. It will be an all-encompassing experience, which, if you do it every year, if you have found yourself to have been brainwashed, as you will be at the last moments of Gullus, this is what will unbrain you, sitting in the sukkah. So now we understand that basic... And we're just going to look a little bit into it so we understand what the what Rabbi Seyman Mishkater said. Um, Crackling. Okay, now? Yes? Okay? Okay. So what is the union of a sukkah? Oh, peace of this. Shalom. Peace. It says, Efrasalainu sukkah Put over us the sukkah of shalom. So here's the question. What is the connection between a sukkah and shalom? You know, if it's really this deprogramming tech, uh, place, 
then somehow there's a connection between peace and this deprogramming. Um, and the truth is that in the seven days of sukkah, there are a number of things going on that have to do with sitting in the sukkah for seven days. Like the mitzvah of the Dalad Minim, it has a connection to the sukkah. Obviously, we know that um, the best way to do the, the, the mitzvah is to do it in the sukkah when you're doing the Dalad Minim. And so in these seven days of sukkah, of course, another thing, the 70 cows brought us carbonus connecting to the 70 nations. Now, these 70 nations are the guys who enslave us, aren't they? They're, they're where Amalek is embedded. And so we have that now when these 70 cows, we do it through davening, etc. Um, um, okay. So here's the question. What is the connection between the Dalad Minim, rule of an Esrog, and Sukkah, and the 70 cows of Karbana? And the beginning of the explanation, we'll just do this short and then we'll do the second installment of this. Sukkah is a makistic thing, all-encompassing. We know that. It surrounds you. It doesn't permeate you. It surrounds you. This we know. And, of course, we know your coat, your jacket surrounds you, but you have different kinds of clothing. You, have, you, wear a, you don't wear a coat on your head. You wear a hat on your head, shoes on your feet, coat, on, you know. So you have different kinds of clothing to wear different parts of you. But a sukkah, right, it's just one thing surrounding you. It's great, you know. Um, you know, you go to the swimming pool and imagine if you just have this giant robe that just, you know, it's including shoes, you know, including socks, like a, a whatever, just one, one thing and it just does the whole job for the whole person. That's what the sukkah is. And so when it says sit in the sukkah, and it's explained at the end of Tafresh Samachav. The thing about the sukkah that's so amazing is you're completely encompassed by Aina Novada. That's the good part. Here's the not such good part, but it's not internalized. So why should you sit in the sukkah? If it's not internalized, you have access to something. I got. I think the whole point was Hashem put us in sukkahs. So the slave mentality, the non, the free mentality would be internalized. That's my thought. So then, great. But the sukkah is not a place where it's, the energy of the sukkah, the makkah, is not internalized. So what's this all about? Um, and it's said three times, the sukkah says, Sheva sit in sukkahs, Yesh was, the sukkahs, they'll sit in sukkahs, and the sukkahs, and I sat you in sukkahs. It's said a bunch of times. And why is it that you should know what we said? You should know that I put you in sukkahs to accomplish what I had to uh, accomplish. The reason is that the generations that are coming should know, know. What do you need to know? You need to know the truth. Especially in a moment in history, the last moment in history, when they don't want you to know the truth. They want you to know, believe that their lives are true. And they don't want you, they don't want you to know the truth. The sukkah will get you to know the truth. So, um, 
um, and not only that, just to pull it all together, the mitzvah sukkah, you don't have to be in the land of Israel, you don't have to be at the time of the base of Migdash, and it's forever, it's for all generations. Um, so knowing this, that Hashem put us in sukkahs, and somehow the generations that have not yet been brought into the world, they will have to know this too. This knowledge, when you sit in the sukkah, you get this deep intrinsic knowledge that will be given to all the future generations. They themselves will sit in sukkahs. So why, again, why will the generations know from this? The knowledge of the generations to come will come through sitting in the sukkahs um, through the previous generations sitting in the sukkahs. I guess I feel like we need to do one more piece. And the answer is, because sukkah is all encompassed, it's external, it surrounds you, it doesn't internalize you. It says, everything that is hidden at the beginning of Tishrei comes out. Rosh Hashanah, 10 days of Tshuva, Yom Kippur, amazing things are being accomplished. It's all underground. It's all being hidden. Like the Shaifer of Rosh Hashanah. You know what's happening through the Shaifer. You hear a Shaifer. You know, you can see God's desire and his pleasure center being aroused to create the world. How would you see it? All you hear is the sound of a Shaifer. You believe it because it's hidden, but you don't see it. But on Sukkot, and, and, and obviously Hashem is saying, I want, yes, I want to make, here's Shaifer, I want to make the world for another year. You don't see it. Comes along the holiday of Sukkot, and you start to see it. What's concealed on Rosh Hashanah is revealed on Sukkot. In the schach. In the schach of the sukkah. And that will be in the next audio in Mirza Shem. Um, may we find ourselves in the Gula Mitzvah Shlema immediately now.